Just incredible. You guys are amazing. All right, so we're starting a brand new series today called One Thing. Uh, as a parent, if my kid's going out on a date, I say, hey, one thing I want you to remember, that's the important thing, right? If you're a personal trainer or whatever, you say, hey, there's one thing you need to do to start losing weight, that's really important. So the Bible says one thing about seven or eight times. I went through and found where it said one thing, and we're going to do an entire series for the summer on that. And uh, so today, we're in part one, one thing to receive. I want you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter three. Uh, look it up on version. Uh, the main thing today, like we said earlier today, is there's nothing you can do. Whether giving all your money to the poor or committing mass murder that will make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. And that's why the Bible is, that's why the gospel is called good news. Okay? Uh, so I'm going to ask you all a question, the most important question anyone will ever ask you. I'm going to ask you that today. And this is it. Who or what are you trusting in for your salvation? It's the most important question you'll ever, ever be asked. Now, a little bit of a background here. Paul is writing a letter to the people at Galatia. That's what Galatians are. They're people that we're, we're Nicholasvillians or Lexingtonians or Kentuckians, okay? The Galatians people lived in Galatia. And Paul had planted a church there and he preached the gospel. He told them about Jesus, all right? And he told them about grace. He told them the, the good news of the resurrection and everything like that. But when he left, some other people came in and they were kind of reverting back to the old ways. See, the old ways was the, the old covenant, the Old Testament. As though you guys that don't know what that is. Well, about a thousand years prior to when this letter was written, um, God gave Moses uh, some, some commandments, 613 commandments, uh, not 10. The 10 commandments are important, but they're actually 613 laws you're supposed to follow. And uh, there were rules, and, and, and you were judged. If you, if you followed the rules, you were good. If you broke the laws, you were evil, and that's, that's the way that you were saved, okay, was by following these laws. And one day, a guy uh, shows up claiming to be the Messiah. His name is Jesus, and he says, hey, that, and that was the old covenant. The new covenant is this, he, and he tells him about grace. Well, change is never easy, especially with us stubborn mule human beings that we are. How many of y'all's family's got a stubborn problem? How many of y'all, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, all right. Well, people don't like to change and, and everything, so they, they kind of heard this new thing, but they, they've been living this way for a thousand years, and so they started kind of reverting back to the old ways, okay? And there's some disagreements. This movement from legalism to grace is never easy, and, and they, were, they were arguing about what actually saved a person, and they had a bunch of legalists kind of come in and take control of the church. And they were kind of saying, no, you, you, it doesn't matter about Jesus. It only matters whether you follow the old 613 laws. And so he was addressing a big problem. I'm glad that that problem doesn't exist in America today, right? I mean, come on. We're so much more advanced than they were. So he was writing to clear up misunderstandings about the importance of grace. Okay? The law and grace are polar opposites. Okay? Laws are followed because you fear punishment or you want rewards. Grace is engaging because of a relationship with the person, with God, okay? So Galatians 3, Paul writes this, you foolish Galatians. I don't ever want the apostle Paul to write to cattle, say you foolish Catalystians, okay? That would not be good. That would mean that we're not following uh, what, what, what we're supposed to be following. But you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Uh, he's remembering. Like I said, he's remembering when he preached to him. He gave him the gospel. And, uh, and he preached the new covenant. He goes, I remember what I preached. I preached Christ and him crucified, dead and buried, resurrected. That's what I preached to you. But you guys have forgotten that. You heard the truth. You accepted the truth. You know the truth. I don't have a thousand questions for you, Galatians. I have one. Who are you trusting for your salvation? Were you saved by the law or by grace? Well, there, there are four things I want to talk to you guys about today. The difference between the law and grace, okay? And you guys have to understand this because this is very, very important. We're still having the same battle 2,000 years later, okay? So here we are. The first one is that the law is about rules. Grace is about a relationship. A lot of y'all came in here looking for a rule this morning. Or you join us online, you're looking for a rule to follow. Okay, what, what do I need to do to make God love me? What do, I need, what do I need to do to be okay? Okay, well, that's exactly what Paul is preaching against. See, when, when Jesus enters into a covenant, there have to be two people for a covenant. You can't make a covenant with yourself. Okay, you can't make a covenant. You have to have a covenant with someone else. And God declares there'd be a covenant between him and his people. There have to be two parties. And there are rules and regulations about them. Okay, the character of God, unchasing all he does. That's the basis of the covenant, all right? And so he had, he had been going, it had been going on for a thousand years, and God decides it's time. He sends Jesus to give a new covenant, and that's what we're under right now. Now, the night he went, before the, went to the cross, we just took communion. The night we went to the cross, Jesus took bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, and he poured out wine. Yes, it was wine. It was not Welsh's grape juice. Okay, that came later. They actually used wine. And, uh, and he will, I will literally pour out my blood. And at that moment after his death, that moment after his death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, at that moment, the forgiveness of sins will be made available to all. And for all humanity can have a chance to have fellowship with God. Don't miss the, the amazingness of that moment right there. Right, he was declaring after a thousand years will not have to live under the law, there'll be a new thing called grace. And that's good news, but in our sinful humanity, we can actually take that and abuse that. See, the new covenant and the old covenant, the Old, old Testament, the new, they're, they're not in contradiction. People tell you that they are. Oh, that was just the old covenant. That, got, that was when God was vengeful and, and now he's a loving, graceful. Yeah, I've heard that. That's not true. There is no difference. They do, they're not in conflict. People say, well, what do you mean? Say, well, this is the way I look at it. Okay, I'm a, I'm, I was once a child. I know it's hard to believe that. Like a long time ago, I was a child. Long time ago. It's getting longer ago, too. Okay? And when you're a child, when you're a child, you have lots of rules. You know, uh, lots of rules. You know, don't cross the street. Be in bed by 8 o'clock. No singing at the table. That's a big one in my house. Okay? Don't backtalk your mother. Eat your peas. There are rules that you follow, and you follow them because you're afraid of getting in trouble, okay? That's why. You, you, you feared the wrath of mom and dad. You feared the attitude adjustment, and how many of you all know that the attitude, the quickest thing for an attitude change is the sound of a leather belt going through belt loops, right? That clears up attitudes a lot, okay? You follow those rules, you get into trouble. That's when you're a child, when humanity was immature when humanity was long ago and they were just introduced, being introduced to God, God had to give them all these rules, like a child, like a parent has to do a child, okay? But now that you're an adult, you don't get in trouble. 
you don't get in trouble. You don't live in your parents' house anymore. You, you're, you're an adult, and you don't get in trouble, but you do those things. You continue to do those things. You don't backtalk your mother. You still do those things, not because you are afraid of punishment, but because you honor the relationship you have with them. And because you value that relationship, you don't want to do anything to destroy it, okay? You don't backtalk your mother. Now, not because you're afraid of getting in trouble, because you realize that damages the relationship, you know? My parents can't ground me now. They did a lot of it when I was a kid. They can't ground me now. My parents used to be able to take away my car. They can't take away my car now, because that would be called Grand Theft Auto, okay? Uh, my mom took my car away, and I, I would call it in as stolen, and sweet Miss Betty would be down at the Jessamine County Detention Center. And we wouldn't have any coffee on Sunday morning because she'd take the coffee down there with her. And none of y'all would be here on Sunday morning because she'd be down there drinking coffee. So she wins either way. But she can't do that anymore. And I'm an adult because my relationship with my parents has changed. Now it's, it is not rules-based. It is honor-based. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. And that when you're an adult, you, you move into that type of a relationship with your parents. They're, you are no longer under their authority from rules and everything, but you value the relationship so much that you don't want to transgress on that or destroy that. That's why, and the same thing with, with God, we are under his authority, but we are not worried about rules and breaking rules for, and, and punishment and everything. We don't want to damage the relationship of the one that we love and the one who loves us. Do you see the difference here, people? That's why we do what we do. Um, you know, I, 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 you, you, you have moved out of rules to relationship. Okay, some of you have not moved out of the old covenant yet. Some of you haven't. You're still thinking, what do I have to do? What laws do I have to follow? What rules do I have to follow in order for God to love me? And if I do this, will God still love me? That's, you're, following, you're following the old covenant. And some of you in here today, I wanna speak to you. You're recovering, loved, wonderful little legalists. Okay, I wanna speak to you. Many of you are following God simply because you fear his punishment or because you want his rewards. Think how minimizing and disgrace, uh, how, how much disgrace that is towards God, that he would be followed because we only fear punishments or want rewards. Uh, if you could go to any totalitarian society on this planet, North Korea, Cuba, California, and you can find people Obeying the dictators there, not because they love them, but because they fear the punishments or they want the rewards. If that is who God is in your mind right now, think about how, how, just how minimizing that is to God. That you would boil him down to a, a fascist dictator and you would follow him that way. No, no. Those people don't love the dictator. They probably despise him, but they follow him anyway. How minimizing that is. No, we follow God's commands because the thought of dishonoring God is so abhorrent to us that we couldn't even fathom destroying that relationship. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm having my 27th anniversary coming up on June 29th, 27 years. And I follow the biblical command, do not commit adultery. Why? 
Am I afraid of it sending me to hell? Not really. That didn't really cross my mind. No, I don't. I don't commit adultery because I love my wife and she loves me. And the thought of destroying that relationship, the thought of hurting this person that I love so much is so utterly abhorrent to me that I wouldn't even consider it. That's what it means to live under grace. That's what it means when you move from rules to relationship. Why are we here this morning worshiping God? It's because we have to know, because we love God and he loves us. And this is how we show it. Okay, that's why we're here. That's why we're singing praise to him. That's why you have your Bibles open. That's why you've surrendered your life to Christ. That's why we get baptized. That's why we do what we do, simply because we love God and he loves us. And and that relationship will do nothing to dishonor it or destroy it. Okay? And if you have not made that shift yet, I want to lovingly encourage you to do that. That's new covenant thinking, and some of you need to make that shift Paul is saying, you guys have gone back to the rules. You've, got, you've, you've forgotten that God loves you. You've forgotten that you love God. And now you're trying to earn his favor by doing all the right things. He said, you've missed the boat. You're trusting in the wrong thing. The second thing is that this, the law incriminates. It finds you guilty, but grace liberates. It sets you free. How many of y'all are looking for freedom this morning? That y'all need some freedom this morning? You're not looking for condemnation, that you already know what you've done. You already know your, your life isn't perfect. You already know this stuff. What you're looking for is liberation. Well, I've got good news. Grace liberates. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point of it is, is guilty of breaking all of it. The law one of my favorite pastors, Dudley Rutherford, uh, out, out in California, says this. He says, the law only proves one thing, that you can't keep it. That's all, the only thing, those 613 rules in the Old Testament, the only thing it proves is that you can't keep it. Okay? Now, James 2.10, whoever keeps the whole law, he assumes that one point of it is guilty of breaking all of it. Let's say that I'm in jail, or I'm, I'm, I'm in court, I've been accused of a crime. Let's say that I, I, I stole some money. Okay? And my defense attorney gets up there and he says, yes, I, I, I get it. He stole some money, but listen to this. He drives the speed limit. <laughs> That'd be a lie. Uh, he pays his taxes. He, uh, he goes to work. He, he, he's never killed anyone. He's never, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he's, a, he's a law-abiding citizen. Look at all the laws that he's kept. What's the judge going to say? You don't get any credit for that. You stole money, you broke the law. If you broke one law, you break the whole thing. That's the way our justice system is. And that's the same thing that God, that's the same thing that God says. Listen, if you've broken one of them, you broke the whole thing. Okay? Most of us broke several laws on the way to church here this morning. How many of y'all made a Nicholasville stop at a stop sign? How many of y'all broke the speed limit? How many of you all don't wear your seat belts, change lanes without a turn signal, text while driving? Every one of you, if you drove on Nicholson Road, you probably did all of those, okay? The Bible says you break even one, you've broken them all. Romans 3.20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscience, conscious of our sin. The law just shows us our sin. I was on Clay's Mill the other day, driving into Lexington, and I, I crossed Man of War, and I was just cooking along, my, my own business, listening to some good music, 
80s, of course. And it has one of those signs, those flashing signs that I guess it's a radar thing, and it says your speed. You know those things right next to the speed limit? Speed limit's 35, and it said I was going 47. Blink, blink, slow down, blink, blink, okay. Well, I didn't really care about my speed until I saw that. Okay, just showed me my sin, showed me that I was breaking the law, okay? And that's what the law does. It's the blinking sign. Say, listen, you just broke the law. That's, the law makes you conscious of your sin. Romans 8, 1, 2 says, therefore, there's no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life sets you apart from the law of sin and death. See, God gave us the law, simply shows we, we, we can't do it. We can't follow it. There's no way. If that is what you're trusting in to save you, I've got bad news for you. You can't follow those laws. No one can. There's only one person who did, and they're so good, they named the whole thing after him, Christianity. Okay? Someone told me. It's so funny. Somebody told me he wasn't coming to church today because there are too many hypocrites there. And I said, you'll fit right in. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, of course it's full of hypocrites. Of course the church is full of hypocrites. I mean, don't give me this self-righteousness that you, you, the great, whatever your name is, I'm not going to say your name, the great whatever, lives out everything you believe 100% of the time, 24-7, 365, every year, for decades. Don't give me that. I said, I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Mother Teresa was a hypocrite. There is no one who can consistently live out everything they say they believe. Okay? I said, there's no one who 100% does that. Okay? And the reason that we're worshiping Jesus and not anyone else is because he was the only one that could actually live it out. He's our hero. He's our example. Okay? Don't give me this nonsense that you can live out everything you believe or that somehow you're better than someone else. Don't give me that. There was, there was not one person other than Jesus who wasn't a hypocrite. And what the law shows us is we can't do it on our own. That's why we need Jesus. Someone calls you a hypocrite and you say, absolutely, I am. Looks like I'm in good company. And that's why we both need Jesus. Because grace liberates. The law finds guilty. Okay, that's why God gave us this thing called grace. Number three is this, the law is insufficient. It cannot save. Grace is all sufficient. It completely and perfectly saves. Go back one chapter in the book of Galatians, Galatians 2, 15 through 16. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. I take exception to that. I'm, not, I'm a Gentile and he just called me sinful. I don't like that. But anyway, here we go. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith and Christ and, and in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay? Remember that, that the law is insufficient. It cannot save. Grace is sufficient. I got two phone calls I'm going to talk to you guys about that really just are heartbreaking upon reflection. I got a phone call from a lady one time who had visited our church, and she says, I will not be coming back. And I said, well, that, that, that bothers me. Can, can you tell me why? And she said, well, because of the way you do communion. And I said, did you not like the way we did communion? She goes, no, I, I, I actually love the way you do communion, but I'm not coming back. And I said, well, please tell me. 
And she said, back then, we were, we were not using unleavened bread. We were using just, we had a, a loaf of bread and people tore off. And, and she goes, because yeast is evil. And I said, yeast is evil? Well, please explain that to me. She said, well, well you, are, you are using regular bread and yeast is evil. It says not, not, to, not to use yeast. I said, well, where does it say that? She goes, I don't know. A pastor told me that. And, and I said, well, at what your pastor was referring to is when Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, which means they're teaching because it worked through the whole person and, you know, everything like that. That's what, that's what that pastor was talking about. No, no, yeast is evil. And I said, well, do you eat sandwiches throughout the week? She goes, oh, yeah. Do you use regular bread? She goes, oh, yeah. I said, do you like regular bread? She goes, oh, yeah. And I said, but yeast is evil. And, and I, was, I, I was just thinking to myself, here's a person that's completely missed the boat. And then I said, she, she said, well, Jesus used unleavened bread, and we should too. I said, well, Jesus used wine. Do you, do you, do you use wine in communion? She goes, oh, no. The Bible says drinking is a sin. I said, no, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy to stop drinking only water and start drinking a little wine to help. You know, Jesus provided wine at a wedding. Do you think he pr- provided wine and sat there, hey, don't drink that, don't drink that. Do you think he was doing that? And, and, and she was like, no, no. Jesus said, the Bible says drinking's, drinking's a sin. What was missing in that conversation? What was missing? Any relationship with Jesus? No, it was about whether the bread that you just took was leavened or unleavened. It was whether the little cup of juice was, had, had alcohol or whether it was Welsh's grape juice. No mention of Jesus no mention of relationship, nothing. I got another phone call from a, uh, many years ago when I was coaching junior high soccer, and one of my players had come to church. A couple of my players uh, came to church here, and they invited one of their teammates. So it was, it was neat to see my players, not just on the soccer field, but in church. And I got a phone call from the, the mom of the, of the friend, and she said, I want you uh, to tell my son that he can't come to your church anymore. And I said, well, 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 why would I do that? And she goes, well, because we're Catholic. And I said, oh, okay, I, I get it. You have your own church that you go to and, and, and everything. She goes, no, well, we don't go to church. And I said, you, you don't go to church, but you don't want him coming to my church because you're Catholic. And she goes, yes, that's exactly right. And, and I said, um, well, are, does that mean you're going to start going on Sunday morning? What do you do on Sunday morning? Well, we, we, we sit at home. But I don't want him coming to church because we're Catholic. I said, but do you go to Mass? No, we don't go to Mass. But I don't want him coming to your church because we're Catholic. And I thought to myself, what about Jesus? What about relationship with Jesus? See, these people were trusting in things. One lady was trusting in following the legalism of communion. Another was, was trusting in the legalism of the name of a religion. Neither of them mentioned Jesus, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are so many people that are trusting in things other than Jesus to save them. That's heartbreaking. There are people that aren't in church today because they're trusting in the wrong thing. They're not trusting in grace, not trusting in Jesus. There's no relationship there. They're trusting in all the wrong things. They miss the relationship with Jesus Christ. If I was to have those conversations with those people today, I would ask them the same question I asked at the beginning of this, of this sermon. Who or what are you trusting in for your salvation? And the fourth thing is this. The law reveals the problem, and then the law reveals the solution to the problem. Okay? 
The law reveals the problem. You guys know what the problem is? The problem is that you and I were made in the image of God, and God created everything, and he, and he called it good. But you and I destroyed that. We, we walked away. We, we, we sinned. We didn't follow the law. We, 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 we are incapable of doing this. And so because of that, we are, we, we are, our destination is hell, every one of us. That's our default, okay? Hell is our default. That's what the Bible says, okay? That's the problem. That's a big problem. And one of these days, you're going to die, and one of these days, you're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. That's the biggest question. That's the problem. But the, so the law reveals that, but also reveals the solution to the problem. And that's Jesus. The good news is Jesus arrived and gave us one thing called grace so that we could have eternal life. So whatever you're trusting in is going to fail you except Jesus. But the plain and simple fact is, guys, we're going to die. You will. Most people aren't comfortable with that fact, but it's the truth. You know, one of my favorite stories I haven't, I haven't shared here in a long time, I'm going to share it with you guys today. If you've been around Catalyst for a long time, you've heard this, and uh, you'll love it just as much as I love it. But when I was in youth ministry, I used to take students once a year to worship with people that didn't look like us. Um, I, don't like the, I don't like the term white church, black church. I don't like that because God created us all in his image because we're all one church. But the way that one uh, black pastor friend of mine said was that black people clap on two and four, white people clap on one and three, together we make a whole rhythm section, you know, okay, all right, I like that. But I, I would take uh, my students up to St. Stephen's Baptist Church in Louisville, which was a, a fantastic uh, a church preaching the gospel made up mostly of, 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 of our black brothers and sisters. And so I would, I, would, I, would, I would take my youth group there and we'd worship and, and, and just have a great time of fellowship and just letting my students see how Christianity looks away from, from our church, how, how it looks differently. And so one, 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 uh, one of the times, uh, Pastor Kevin Cosby, it was, it was graduation Sunday and, and, and all of these, uh, all the kids were, were graduating to talk about their plans and, you know, everything like this. And it, it was pretty neat. And Kevin Cosby gets up there after everybody's, you know, all the graduates are up there and he goes, he goes, children, you're going to die. That's a good thing to tell kids, you know, especially on their big day. He goes, you don't think you're going to die one of these days. They're going to take you out to the cemetery. They're going to drop you in a hole, throw some dirt in your face, and go back to the church and eat potato salad. <laughs> Ain't it the truth? And then he did what only a black pastor could do. He swept through the entire Bible in five minutes. White guys like me can't do that, y'all. Okay? But he goes, there was Moses and there was Pharaoh. Pharaoh had the title. Governor of uh, King of Egypt. That's a good title, great title. But when it was all over, all he had was the title. But Moses had the testimony. He goes, there was Daniel and there was King Darius. Daniel was just a broken down prophet of God. He had, uh, the, Darius had the title, King, King Darius. That's a good title, King Darius. When it was all over, all he had was the title. But Daniel had the testimony. And there was Jesus and there was Pilate. Pilate had the title, governor of Judea. It's a good title, children. It's a great title. It was all over. All he had was a title, but Jesus had the testimony. He goes, why am I talking about titles and testimonies? He goes, born children, when you were born, 
You was the only one that was crying. Everybody else was happy. <laughs> That's not the question, children. The only thing that matters is when you die, are you the only one that's going to be happy? Everyone else, is everyone else is crying. It was depending on what you're living for, titles or testimonies. And he said, live your life, children, in such a way that when you die, there'll be people standing around your grave, not naming your titles, but giving testimonies of how you lived your life and you bless people in the name of Jesus. I love that. It was so inspiring. That was 17 years ago, maybe. And I still remember it word for word. Because what the law will do, the law will make you read your titles. This is what I've accomplished for you, God. But God's not interested in that. God wants to ask one question. Do you know me? Do you know me? Do you love me? Were your actions on this planet during your life, were they based on trying to impress me or were they done because of love? Love for me, God wants to ask. See, I want to ask you, what are you trusting in for your salvation, people? Are you trusting in the Lord, your God, for salvation? We have a mission team in Honduras right now. Rowan and Adam Tipton, John Kelly, Tim Bicker down there. They're down there. But that's not going to save them. It's a good work. It's a good thing. I'm glad they're there. But that's not going to save them. We have an orphanage in India, lots of you sponsor children in that orphanage. If you, if you would like to sponsor a child in our orphanage, it's $35. All 35 go to sponsor a child. A lot of you do that. That's a good work. It's a good thing. But that won't save you. You're in church today. We've given God our worship today. And I pray that he has found it pleasing. I, 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 I hope that God really loves what we've done here today. I really do, because it's about him, not us. Some of you have, been, have given money. Others of you actually tithe. That's a good work, but that's not going to save you. On the other hand, some of you have committed terrible sins this week. Let's just be real. Some of you have lied. Some of you have committed adultery. Some of you have said things in anger that have destroyed the people that you love the most. Some of you have shoplifted, stolen things. Some of you have gotten drunk, gotten high, lied about where you were to your family. Hear this. None of those makes God love you any more or any less than he does right now. There is nothing you can do, whether it is committing mass murder, going serving the poor, in a village, get dedicating your life, that will make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. Because God's love is not based on our actions. God's love is based on his character. God loves us because of who he is, not because of who you are or what you've done. Therefore, his love does not change with your actions, with your good, with your bad. His love does not change. 
because he loves based on his character. And that's why we return that love. That's why we are under grace. That's why we do what we do. That's why we stay faithful to Jesus. That's why we do the things we do, not because we're afraid of hell or gaining some kind of favor for God, but because that relationship means everything to us and we will honor that relationship to the end of our lives. And that is the greatest testimony you can ever shout to the world. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, a lot of people in here still don't get that it's about the relationship with you. Why do we do the things we do? Not because we're afraid or because we think that you're going to send us to hell or anything like that. It's because we don't want to dishonor the relationship with you. Lord, you're so precious to us. You're everything to us. We love you. You love us. And we'll do nothing to endanger that or, or to, to destroy that because it's so valuable to us. Lord, I pray that you would break through to all of the loved recovering legalists out there. I pray that you would break through to the, the teenager who's never uh, accepted you as Lord and Savior today and re- let him know, her know, that you love them and that they can respond. Lord, for, the, for the, the person who's committed terrible sins this week and is feeling guilty, Lord, I pray that a double dose of your grace will go to that person today. Lord, for the, the couple that is struggling, I pray that your grace and, and that, that would infuse their relationship in their home and they would forgive each other as you have forgiven them. Lord, let us live by grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One thing that we always do uh, for our mission teams, we have another Honduras mission team. Last week, we prayed for the mission team that's there now. And on Wednesday, uh, the Mink family is going to be going down to Honduras to do their own mission trip. And so I would like to ask uh, the Minks to go to the middle there, uh, Kevin Rhiannon and children. Um, and uh, as a church family, let's all gather around them and pray over them as, uh, and and. Pray that God will uh, bless them and keep them safe and make their trip fruitful. This is, a tra- if you're, this is your first time here at Catalyst. It's a tradition. Come on, guys. Come on, gather around. So lay a hand on. And let's, let's ask the Lord to bless them. Lord, uh, as we as a church family, we love Kevin, Rhiannon, Treasure, Christian, and William, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Quinn, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Lord, we love them so much. And, uh, and they're such an integral part of our church. And I'm so excited to see a family going on a, on a mission trip to serve you together in Honduras. And Father, I pray first of all that you would keep them safe, that you would keep them uh, physically safe. Uh, Lord, I also pray that they would accomplish the work that you have for them. Also, I pray that it will give a new vision to, uh, to the kids especially. Um, one of the greatest things, Lord, is getting our children outside of this Disneyland called America and seeing how faith lives in, in people that, that do not share our culture, not share our, our language, our, 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 our customs. Um, it's such an amazing thing of growth, and may, may, uh, may the children... Be, uh, be blessed as well as they serve and are served. I pray that connections and friendships will be made with the Honduran people. And Lord, that through their work, that many, many 
would be one to Christ. Lord, bring them back safely and, uh, and bless the work of their hands while they're down there. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Adios. Bye-bye.